maybe you've been in a spot where maybe you're just getting started early 20s and want to do something but don't feel you have the experience yet. Or maybe you've been through some hard times and you're finally settled and you want to play it safe. But maybe, just maybe, there's a, a feeling of restlessness there. Like there's something more. And does that mean that everybody's called to be an entrepreneur and start a new job? No. But I think everyone's called to make an impact. So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country, and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Have you ever felt that you were made for more than the life you're currently living? If you're looking to be a person of impact, we're glad you're here. This is our story, stories that impacted our life, and we hope it helps you in your journey too. We are Dale and Brian Carmi. We are co-founders of Foreverlon. 2002, we started this journey. We moved from our homes in Northeastern Ohio to Albuquerque, New Mexico to start an artificial grass business. And over the last 19 years, it's grown into a uh, one of the largest artificial grass businesses in the country and a business with over uh, 70 home office team members, over 80 dealers and uh, hundreds of team members across the country. So why are we doing this podcast? Uh, well, for a couple of reasons. First of all, a few years ago, we wrote a book called Grass Without Limits and just kind of shared our story. And we were inspired kind of surprised and, and inspired by the number of people that um, got something out of the book that weren't a part of Forever Land. And so we had some people ask for uh, a little bit more on the book, either an audio version or what happened, because really the book wraps up with the beginning of Forever Land. So almost asking for a part two. And we just wanted to share our stories. We found that life is a story. And as we share our journey and the lessons we've learned along the way, that others can learn from that as well. Yeah, so uh, I think this will be a fun ride. And uh, one of the things we do like to do is have fun. So hopefully you'll enjoy it as we go. Where we began, um, I don't know. We, we can go back pretty far, but we, we came from a pretty good gig. We well, were, we're brothers. We're brothers. We can go way back to when yeah. I was born. So, one of the best days of your life. We've been brothers all of your life, but not all of mine. <laughs> so we were software consultants before we got started in this business. We had different journeys that, that brought us there. Um, we'll get into that a little bit. I graduated from college, uh, got a job with IBM, uh, had a pretty good job back in the people today, probably don't even know what IBM is, but back in the eighties, that was the company to work for. And, uh, although it started off well for the first five years, I pretty quickly went downhill and, uh, ended up working for $5 an hour at a temporary job, job place. And it was quite a trip that got me there. Uh, but then we, we bounced around, got got into the software consulting business, and had Brian join me. And and at the time we started this business, uh, we was making a six figure income, uh, working from home, traveling around the country. And I I think from the outside, pretty much anybody would have thought uh, that's a pretty good place to be, and it was. But um, we kind of wanted more than that. So. Yeah, we, we were working from home before it was cool. Back before pre-COVID, <laughs> back uh, there was barely an internet, and uh, yeah. we go ahead. Give me that dial-up tune. What that? What did that sound like? 
There are a few of you out there that caught that, and then there are some that thought, what is going on? Well, that's what you can <laughs> that expect. That was the sound of podcast. us dialing into uh, one of our customers or client sites. Yes, that was before fiber optics. Uh, so, uh, you know, Dale and I talked, we had different journeys. Um, you know, my journey uh, was, was um, a little bit maybe shorter to get there. I didn't uh, finish college. I did one year of college, realized it wasn't for me. And I was kind of bouncing around from odd jobs. And uh, Dale told me about this great program they had as an intern uh, at his company where I could work during the day and then it would pay for some schooling at night. Uh, pretty sure you invented that program. Yeah, I did. Is that right? Yeah. So somehow he convinced his manager that they needed an intern program. I was trying to figure out how to get Brian in the door. And I knew that they wanted, um, at that time, they were looking for somewhere with a college education, which Brian didn't have, but it didn't say anything about you or what you knew. So... I created this intern program and I think I got you into working in the warehouse. Yeah. So I worked in the warehouse for a little bit, answered phones for a little bit, moved into a customer support position and, and then into uh yeah, really software support. And, uh, from there I jumped to progressive insurance, uh, tip of the hat to my brother, Ken, who probably helped open a door there. Uh, but you know, doors are opened and, and I stepped through and was able to, uh, I guess do enough to prove some worth there and had gotten to a point where, you know, considering the fact I was early twenties, didn't have a college degree, I was making some decent money. And then Dale came calling to this software consulting idea where we would uh, basically consult on the software. It was a property management and accounting software. We would help companies. How much get, did you really know about accounting? Uh, almost as much as you. <laughs> I was going to say. Probably a little bit more than me. We were not accountants in any stretch of the imagination. No, we we weren't. We were uh, software specialists, though. We knew the software really well. We trained people on how to implement the software. We customized it. We wrote reports. And really, we lived out in in, our, in Ohio, uh, about an hour apart. Um, and you know, we we traveled across the country helping people implement these software systems. And it was like you said, it was a pretty good gig. Um, you know, I think a lot of people look at that and say, wow, you're able to, to set your own hours working from home. Yeah, you, you travel some, but you're making pretty decent money. Uh, but it wasn't what we wanted. You know, we uh, we wanted more for our families. We wanted more time with our wives and our kids. We wanted uh, more control. And I think some of it stems back probably to our dad, who was entrepreneurial. Yeah, you said unsettled, I, I think, and that <clears throat> that's correct. Um, I just... It felt like we weren't serving our purpose. There was nothing wrong with what we were doing. Um, we were doing good things. And maybe if we went back with the perspectives we have now, we could have been more impactful in the position we had. But certainly felt like there was more we could be doing to uh, impact those around us, people we worked with, people we worked for, people we worked around. And I think that really led to that unsettled feeling. So I, I want to grab something you said. You talked about uh, Fred Carmi, and I just just want to go back and talk a little bit about our family. We were we, we grew up. We were four kids, um, all boys. Mom and dad, Fred and Helen Carmi, were great people. We were raised in a Christian home, good Christian values. My dad was without a doubt the hardest working man um, I've ever known in my life, and uh, he was an immigrant. First-generation immigrant, came over from Syria at the age of 28 um, and just did amazing things in the short time he was here. He died at age 59, but he had uh, 
college degree, a master's degree, uh, was a school teacher, was an entrepreneur, um, did so many things. And uh, we got to go along for the ride because uh, maybe not so much you, Brian, because you were younger. But I was along for the ride. You guys were just working. <laughs> I was sitting in the truck eating milk duds. Uh, Jim, my older brother Jim, my older brother Ken, and myself spent many weekends, summers, holidays, what have you, working with my dad in his cleaning business. And there were some tremendous lessons learned there. And uh, we'll share some of that as we go through um, the different uh, stages of our life in this podcast. Yeah, so back to 2000, 2001, we're living in uh, Ohio and just feeling restless. Um, we, we were looking for something more than just to make a living. Uh, we wanted to make an impact. And so we started looking at different opportunities, different businesses, and we looked at uh, potentially real estate. Our mom lived down in Florida. Yeah, we, we looked at both um, buying what would be vacation homes, rental right. homes. We also looked at the idea of buying commercial property um, out by Claremont, that Highway 27, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, there was one was, real problem with that, and I think it had something to do with... They take money. Money, <laughs> when, yeah. We didn't have the buying, money. When you're buying estate. that stuff, people want money. That that kind of threw a little fly in the ointment, so to speak. Then we started looking at possibly at franchises. Some yeah, of the we, franchises we looked at also wanted... Uh, they wanted money. Yeah. And we didn't have any. Yeah. So that was a problem. And like I said, we were making a decent living, but we didn't have this this stockpile of savings that we could throw into a new business. So then we started looking at other options. We looked at like a sport court type dealership, things we could do around Ohio. And what would they take? I think they wanted money. money. Yeah. Yeah. So um I might be jumping around a little bit, but as you were saying that, you're talking about taking money and we were we were making money, but um I was at a stage in my life in the early 2000s where I'd just come out of a decade of trouble. <laughs> I think that's the best way to say it. Um, there, it. It's probably too long of a story to get into here, but shortly after I got married, I got in a car wreck. It was, it was seriously hurt. was out of work for a year. Uh, almost died. Get back from that. I was working with IBM, left that. And I, I said earlier, you know, the kind of downhill spiral, I went to the point, I'm a college graduate, six years out of college, and I'm working at a temp agency. Um, I remember not having money to pay for utilities and heat. I had a wife and a young child, and I would go out and take um, tree limbs I found in the woods, and I'd wedge them in between a V and the trunk of a tree, and I would just run and hurl my body at these tree limbs to snap them into small enough pieces I could burn for heat because we didn't have enough money for heat. And That's my wife visual. and my little child, they wanted to be warm. So um, as we got to this point where we were successful, we had good jobs, we had good incomes, we, we had homes. I, di I didn't have any savings. We were just finally getting out of a hole we had dug, a, a hole of debt, a hole of medical bills, all these things we dug over the, the period of the 90s. So yeah, as we looked at business opportunities and ideas, we did not have the capital or the resources to pull from to get into that. Um, I, I was kind of in the... Uh, a little different perspective. You know, I didn't finish college. I got married young. We had kids young. Angie and I had uh, two little girls and we were just getting started. So I had, you know, made a few uh, steps up the corporate ladder, I guess you could say. Um, Angie had 
left the, the medical professor, medical, she was a physical therapy assistant, left that to be a full-time mom. And we were making decent money, but again, just getting started, didn't really have a stockpile. And you know, as we go through this again, one of our hopes is that some of you in the audience see something similar in your life. So maybe you've been in a spot where maybe you're just getting started early 20s and want to do something but don't feel you have the experience yet. Or maybe you've been through some hard times and you're finally settled and you want to play it safe. But maybe, just maybe, there's a, a feeling of restlessness there. Like there's something more. And does that mean that everybody's called to be an entrepreneur and start a new job? No. But I think everyone's called to make an impact. Yeah, certainly make an impact. And uh, it is without a doubt, if you're listening to this podcast, any podcast, if you're breathing, you have had hard times in your life. You've had struggles. Mm -hmm. You've had to overcome. And that's, we're talking about, you know, we were in a position right then having to do some of that. And you don't always have the resources, the support, the help you need to do that. But uh, there's still hope. So as we looked at this, Brian, you talked about feeling restless. You talked about... Um, wanting to, to be impact. You talked about these different things that were pushing us. Another thing I want to call out is my dad did, Fred did develop his own business. He was an entrepreneur. He had Carmi's Tri-State Cleaning. He developed a good local business in the Western Pennsylvania area and Beaver Falls, and then actually expanded down into Tennessee towards the end uh, of his life. But he died young. He died at the age of 59. Um, he had this business and he had four sons, three of them college age and above at that time. And none of us stepped up and took over that business. And that's certainly a regret that I have. And, and look, it's supposed to happen that way because things played out and we are where we are. But there was this thing I would call an unfinished melody. It's like there was this tune being played and, and the, the song was never finished. The final notes were never hit. And that was my dad's business being left um, to to essentially just wash away to be to be gone. And um, I think that was stirring inside of us too, certainly inside of me as, as we felt that restlessness and that feeling of, we need to complete this. We need to go back and become entrepreneurs. And no, it wasn't his business, but following his legacy. Yeah. So here we are, 2001, working out of our homes, kicking around different ideas, but really not finding anything that felt like a fit. And then out of the blue, uh, the college that uh, Jim, Ken, and Dale all graduated from and uh, Kennedale played football there, Mount Union College, or Mount Union University now. Um, they were uh, putting in a new football field, and it was going to be an artificial field. And, and here we are, guys that had grown up playing football, felt like football was made to be played in dirt and mud, and they're putting in fake grass. It seemed kind of crazy. But you looked it up on the internet, and I think you sent me a link. Yeah, so I, I was kind of a football nerd <laughs> at the time. Um Followed Mount Union because they won uh, national championship after national championship. That was my school. I certainly had pride there. And um, Ken and I actually played on the first undefeated team at Mount Union College in uh, 1980, the 85 season, and then undefeated again in 86. So when they got to the championship, that really um, was exciting for us, and we started following that. So I'm I'm on these – uh, blogs. And again, this is, I don't know if they're blogs, chat boards. And this is the early 2000s. Just reading up, you know, relishing in the glory of another championship probably and reading about who some of the, the new key players are going to be for the coming year and smack talking with other colleges. And I just see this note that says um, somebody posted, hey, Mount Union's putting an artificial turf field. 
kind of, wow, that's really strange. I didn't know a whole lot about new turf systems. So I'd sent an email to Brian, Ken, and Jim and just said, hey, guys, um, check out this this article or something like this. I said, Mount's putting in a, you kind of neat, Mount's putting in a turf field. I wonder what this will be like. And I sent that off. Yeah, and again, this is early internet yeah. days. <laughs> I, mean, I think talking- the internet was still, I think you might have had to crank a wheel <laughs> to get the power to get the yeah. internet running or something. But thank goodness there was an internet because looking at this article that Dale sent, there was a link and I started following and you, you know how you sometimes follow these chain links and I, one link led to another. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at this article about somebody putting this stuff, this fake grass in their backyard and there is landscaping in their home. And I just remember thinking, wow, that's crazy. And, you know, it, sitting in Ohio, looking out the window, wishing I didn't have to mow my grass all the time. Yeah. But it was, I think something even more than that, having been in consulting, um, you know, we traveled, we spent time in New York, California, and, and I remember Phoenix was an area that we traveled to multiple times and loved it. Loved it. It was a beautiful area, loved the mountains, loved the, the, you know, red rocks, but I found it crazy that there were these multi-million dollar homes that would have gravel yards. They didn't have grass. And then I remember specifically, I just off Camelback, there was this beautiful multi-million dollar home and they had gravel and it was painted green. <laughs> and I thought, my goodness, if somebody would paint gravel green in a million dollar, multi-million dollar home, I bet they would pay for fake grass. And so Dale sent this thing. I read that article and I, I just sent a note back, my brother, and just said, hey, I bet this would be killer in the desert Southwest. I didn't really think anything more than that. I kind of left it there. But that was the seed that generated into this business. That was the spark. I got that email and, and I read it and um, uh, a whole lot, <laughs> a whole lot is to follow from that little email. Uh, but as we look at this, um, we, we look back at, at our search, at our restlessness, at our desire to, to do more. And it, it doesn't have to be starting a business. For us, it was starting a business, just a de- desire to do more. Um, you know, as we go through this podcast, we, we want to share our story, but we want it to be valuable to you. We want it. We want to make an impact. We want to create people of impact. That's why we have the title of this podcast. We do. So at, at the end of each um, session, we'll, we'll kind of try to pull a takeaway out of it to share with you. And hopefully there's a lot more than this one, but we want to pick away one key point to build on. And, and I think here, what we learned as we look back at this story is purpose that we are all created to be people of impact. Uh, and we're, we're not just here to make a living. We're here to make an impact. And, um, if you can grab hold of something in your life, if you can, uh, create a change or, or just do things that are impactful to people around you, then, then you too can become that person of impact. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think, again, each each show we'll kind of wrap up talking about that and, you know, the, what lessons we learned. And and I think, you know, I, I would just say if, if any of you are out there and you, you feel that maybe that restlessness, that sense of, hey, there's got to be something more, um, I would tell you that there's probably uh, something to that. You know, we're, we're, we're Christian men. We feel that God leads uh, in mysterious ways. Maybe he's He's trying to, to pull you in a direction there. Uh, but I, I would also say, I think there's a tendency in our culture to say, you know, follow your passions and, and do what you love. And I think that's partially true, but I also think that gets taken to extreme and abused. And I would tell you, I, I mean, artificial grass wasn't really a passion for us. It was something we 
dove into and worked at and became a passion. But sometimes Correct. people don't aren't willing to do the hard work long enough to find out if they're passionate about something. And I, I don't want to, to misconstrue this to say, hey, if you're not happy with what you're doing, quit what you're doing and do what you love. Because I think it's more to that. Like, I love football. Uh, and I'm just a little bit older than Tom Brady. But if I quit my job and want to play football, I'm probably not going to have that level of success. There's there's more than just what you love. Um, so I just want to be careful with that. I, I think there is more to it. And it was more than money. But it's not just doing what you love. It's doing something where you can create value and benefit others. Absolutely. So, guys, if, if uh, you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend. Tell some people about it. Yeah. Join us next week. Where we'll continue this journey. And hopefully you can make impact without limits. This is the Fred Carmi reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.